Welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast, where we talk to industry experts to help us learn the skills that we need to be better tomorrow. I'm Jason Fisher, your host, and Mike Rudd is our guest today. He's a passionate marketing strategist, focusing on helping businesses implement people and purpose as the forefront of their marketing strategies. He's also a three-time author, professional speaker, hiker, yogi, and avid volunteer, which you'll hear a ton about today. The full Smash bio can be found at Marketing Fun with Mike. And if you haven't checked out Mike Rudd's stuff, you really need to go there and check it out. But without further ado, let's talk to Mike Rudd. All right, Mike, welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jason. Happy to be here. Why don't you go ahead? I gave your bio up front, but go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Uh, so I'm a passionate marketing strategist. I've written a couple books centered around what I call the passionate marketing revolution, which really at its core is helping businesses implement people and purpose at the forefront of uh, their marketing strategies. If anybody in the audience in your community went to college for marketing, they learned there was four P's of marketing. And my latest book talks about how there's actually probably seven P's now and people and purpose are two of the new P's. Outside of that, you know, huge hiker and yogi. I love volunteering in the community. And if anybody wants to connect with me more, find out what else I'm doing, you can check out marketingfunwithmike.com. Excited to talk to you. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Now, you and I have known each other for about three years. We met through Toastmasters International. It's a wonderful organization if anyone's looking to do personal improvement, specifically around leadership and public speaking. But I want to hear a little bit about you, sorry, a little bit from you about how you started on your own path. Because I know you, you, have a, you had a job at least when I first met you, and then you started doing the side hustle thing, and you've been pretty successful at it. So why don't you tell us how you got started and what drove you to that? Great question, Jason. And I will also second your endorsement for Toastmasters as well. Uh, one of, one of I, I think, the secret sauces for being able to have a side hustle and or go out and be a great leader in this world. But uh, on, on, my, on my end, I was in radio sales a, a long time ago. And you, when you think about a business owner, how many salespeople are calling on them every day? A different radio station, a print station, or a print, print publication the person who does the paper towels in the bathroom, the carpet cleaners, they get inundated with hundreds and hundreds of phone calls every single day. And I thought, what can I do to create something that makes me a little bit different than every other salesperson? And I thought if I started a marketing blog that gave valuable ideas and marketing tips, something that I was already passionate about, and made myself into more than just a salesperson, maybe that would give me the edge to get a meeting or a phone call when I knew this person was probably being inundated with a hundred people just like me. And that was actually the catapults to being out on my own and owning my own business, was actually not quitting and going and starting my own thing, but actually keeping my day job. And while having that day job, building content and this community through giving value and hustling. I was right. I was for a while, I was writing blogs every night. I would do any type of guest post. I was writing 
every single morning early. I was writing every single night. And it allowed me, though, to start building a community and start figuring out exactly what I could do to serve the world out on my own by actually keeping my day job. So that, that's kind of how it all started. So not quitting was actually the catapult for me to quitting. That's interesting. I think a lot of people are looking for that exit strategy, but if you can find a way to combine your nine to five with what they call your 10 to two, the work that you do from 10 o'clock at night till two o'clock in the morning on your own time, if you can find a way to combine those, like you, were, you said, keeping your, real, your day job was the catalyst that, that kept you moving. There's a real key to success there because you're able to not separate your brain so much and focus on that one thing in both places. I agree. And I love, I love how you talk about with the, the 10 to two model and mindset. I was thinking about, you know, when, when somebody becomes a writer and they, they publish a book, of course they want to, and I, and a fellow Toastmaster, a friend of mine, Anthony Iannarino, he's published some New York times bestselling books. I'm sure he's getting a well-deserved income off of those books, but those are the outliers. And I remember hearing this quote from, from Chase Jarvis, who founded Flickr. And he said, I don't take more jobs based around the arts to create income. He said, I take more corporate jobs so that I can go out and create more art. So here's the founder of Flickr, a, a New York Times bestselling author. And he's still talking about not giving up corporate jobs because they help pay the bills to be able to sustain what he's creating, the art that he really wants to create out there in the world. Yeah. And I think it was Bob Hope who said he did comedy to pay his greens fees just so he could play golf. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. I wanted to have you talk to our audience because of your expertise in marketing. I think a lot of people hear it and they think that swarmy sales pitchy guy or the, the black box snake oil of SEO. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what marketing is uh, from your perspective. So I think it's a lot more interesting than just those two things I named. Yeah. And I, I love how you describe SEO and you know what? I have never once paid somebody to do SEO for me. And I've never once written a blog for my own website with a focus on how do I, I just try to write great content and maybe, maybe that's naive on, on my part, but I always feel like great content will trump great SEO. Marketing can mean, in my opinion, it's the way in which you tell the community that you want to serve what you stand for as a business or a person and why you're worth anyone's time or attention. And I think really to break that down into a tactical standpoint and not just give people, you know, high arching ideas, it's looking at yourself in the mirror and deciding who am I? What do I stand for and how am I going to help people? And then going out and doing that and in doing that, you also then create content and a marketing story and social media marketing and grassroots marketing and networking around that work that you're doing for somebody. So it doesn't have to, I don't think it, I think people think it's gimmicky if they don't have anything to talk about. If you're really out there doing the work, then you just really share about the results. And it's really almost, marketing should almost just be a big case study or resume of the community you've created or the work that you've built. 
I like that. It, it becomes that troublesome point when you don't really have anything worth saying. Yeah. If you don't have something you're really passionate about, or you just want to be successful, you're like, you're just pursuing success for its own means, but not because you're passionate about something. I can see where that would be. I've been there a few times and I can see where that would be a, a big hurdle to get over. Well, and right when I was starting, I was really, really probably nervous about like the, co- the community and, cr- and creating this ongoing content. Like if somebody, if I don't write two blogs this week, the whole community is going to disappear. And I've gotten to a point now where I will go lapses in time without content, not because I'm being lazy, but because I want to, if I want to put something out there, I want it to be so valuable and important and driving home so much value for people. I'd rather not put something out there that's just okay or has been said before. Yeah, that's, in, that's good because there's so many people that churn out a lot of content that's, that's derivative or repetitious of, their, of even their own work that if you're a fan, you start to feel like there's nothing new and you can stop listening. No, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, people are, I mean, if, if you're really delivering good content and you go off the grid for a week or people would rather have you not deliver them anything than lackadaisical stuff, I think. And, and that's what I was going to say. I, there's, there's people I'm a fan of that I would rather wait to hear something wonderful and insightful from them as opposed to just getting bombarded daily with an article that's to determine whether or not it's really valuable. Now, I, I told you up front, I kind of have two people that, that this show is really targeted at. It's the, the hustlers, the, the people who are getting off and doing their side hustle and doing their own thing, maybe to move out and to be self-employed, but maybe not. A lot of people are also trying to improve um, to be better in their own employment situation. How can marketing help with that, inter- like internal employment? Yes, I love that you're trying to connect and create a community around this because I think it's so undervalued. Everybody wants to quit their day job and work remotely and make money online and live the life of their dreams, which there's no issue with that, but it gets gimmicky. And I think there's something to be said about people who want to literally, just what you said, become a dynamite, valuable MVP type player in the company they already work for. And I think that is uh, make, you know, Seth Godin, first of all, Seth Godin wrote a blog, a book called Lynchpin. Are you familiar with that book, Jason? I have heard about it, but I've, I'm not familiar with the content. I haven't read it yet. It's great. It talks about how it's okay to be a superstar within a company and not leave the company you work for. And I read it and I was actually, I had a few people because Seth's so about the entrepreneurial mindset, I think that I know a few of my friends who had read it and they were like, he said not, you know, keep working for the company. And they were kind of upset about it. I thought it was a magnificent piece, but so I like to uh, use his words, but I give credit to him for the word linchpin. And I think that is, there's a couple things that I think you can do. One, eliminate the words and the mindset of it's not my problem or it's not my department or it's not my issue from your vocabulary. As well as you possibly can, learn how to be an accountant, clean the toilets, be in sales, head of HR, and everything in between that you can do for a company 
be willing to do the grunt work, I think, is something that really a lot of people don't want to do. And, I, you know, I love manual labor. I don't do manual labor for a career, so I think that's easy for me to say, and I'll acknowledge that. But when I volunteer for organizations, I find nobody wants to set, if we're doing it, if there's a, an event, nobody wants to, if the event's going to start at 9 a.m., everybody's cool to do registration for the event from 8.30 to 9. Nobody really wants to be there at 6.30 in the morning hauling tables around, setting up the registration tables. I love that type of work. And I think if you really want to thrive within your organization, showing that you're willing to also do that grunt work and not just be a, a quote unquote like manager, even if you are a manager, is really important. And then the third is play like you're an entrepreneur whose hair is on fire within a company. That means go to Toastmasters, write a blog, be going to networking. Uh, Lewis, Lewis Howes is having his uh, Summit of Greatness coming up here in Columbus where we both live in a few weeks. And it's primarily entrepreneurs, but you could learn a lot as somebody, if you work for a company showing up there. In fact, I think you would learn so much, like everybody else in your company would be like, what in the world did this person do this weekend? But be willing to embrace and do those types of professional development, maybe on your own dime sometimes. Now, on the plus side, if you work for a company, maybe they'll pay for it too. You never know. But, but having that attitude of like, I'm an entrepreneur with my hair on fire that actually has benefits and a salary. What a, I mean, what a dreamy world that is, right? Right. Where you don't, where you get to be the entrepreneur without as much of the risk involved. Yeah, that's great. I, I think sometimes people people like back away from that, and I think, wow, that I mean, that sounds wonderful. I'm not sure who who coined the phrase, but I've heard it called being an intrapreneur. So, like your intranet instead of the the uh, internet. Yes. <laughs> Entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur inside the company, and it's easier to do with smaller companies. But I found there's still opportunities with some of the larger organizations to to just make things happen and make a name for yourself in those in those ways. I think there is. Look at somebody like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk now with, with his social media marketing agency that he has in New York. You know that guy's bringing in a team full of entrepreneurs and linchpins. He's not just having uh, corporate managers that are clocking out at five o'clock join his team. Right. There's, there's nobody that thinks of it as a job that works for, works for Gary Vee. You're, you're thinking no. of that as a career and as a business that you're a part of. And you're working for a really big company though. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy to get swallowed up in the larger organizations, but you can, you can fight your way. If, if you're pushing to make yourself known, you can, you can make a name for yourself and, and be known as the guy that gets things done or the girl that gets, th- that gets things done. Absolutely. And, and ju- you know, the other, the other item of the people, you know, the side, the side hustlers, don't sweat your side hustles. Don't, it, it's a side hustle for a reason. It's starting on the side. It, and I think people start thinking like, I have because I launched this side hustle, this side hustle has to replace my full-time hustle tomorrow. And you almost lose the gratitude in what the full-time hustle has created and the passion that the side hustle is invigorating in you. I would just encourage people to maybe enjoy that process of transition or maybe never transitioning a little bit more than it seems like sometimes people do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's a small percentage of people, I think, that convert that 
that hobby or that side hustle into full-time replaceable income. And especially if you have kids or a, or a spouse that doesn't have insurance, you've got to carry that burden. There's just sometimes that pressure you feel that you've got to jump way ahead and it can take what 10 years to become an overnight success is what I hear from most people who, who yeah. do it. Spot on. I think I launched about a little over a year ago, an outdoor adventure side hustle with my friend, Amy. I'm, I've been, a, as you know, I love to travel. I'm, avid outdoors hiker and pretty much, I mean, any, any type of bicycling, running, cleaning up conservation, anything you'll do. And uh, we got a sizable sponsorship in the first year that, I mean, more than I would have, I mean, I didn't, I've never gotten that size of a sponsorship on my marketing blog that I turned into a career on off of this blog. And I think the first, right when I got it, I was like, well, how do I go get another one? And I was like, well, wait, 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 wait. What, what are you in such a rush for? And why don't you just enjoy this and really make, the only way you're going to go get another one like this is have this one, have this sponsor fall head over heels, 10 times X value what they thought they were going to get for this and want to go tell everybody else that they should be a part of it as well. That's really good because if you, if you don't treat them well, then- people will find out and you'll lose the one that you had. I think it's an old Aesop's fable where a dog tried to bark at his own reflection and lost the meal that he had in his own mouth. Yes. So I have this picture from like when I was a kid of seeing that story. And so I don't know if it's real. It might be made up. Those false memories are tricky. <laughs> well, Look, Aesop, Aesop's fables, uh, they've been around for a long time because uh, there's, there's value and reasoning behind them. There is, there is for sure. So you've been around the marketing area for a while, for a long time, and I'm sure you've seen some, some mistakes with people. And um, we were kind of discussing things earlier. And I, like, I like what you have to say about uh, the mistakes that people are making. Can you un- un- unpack what we were talking about? Yeah, I, I thought about this because I make mistakes every single day, so I can live, live and breathe this question. And I think there's, I'm not a failure is cool, I live to fail, but I think I'm more of a Failure is going to happen and we're going to make mistakes if we really are trying to innovate and chase down things. And it's no big deal. You're going to mess up sometimes. Just kind of pay attention to it and learn from it. So the mistakes that I've seen myself and entrepreneurs that aren't makers, and when I say makers, I mean a maker would be, so I'm going to throw out a I'm at my mastery club. My friend Jared has a men's yoga apparel line. He literally makes yoga men's clothes. That that's actually like something physical. That's what I'm talking about. Something tangible. I think entrepreneurs that that don't make anything, meaning like they're consultants or coaches, or they're going to be doing online programs. Not there's anything wrong with that, but I think they give up way too quickly and they think it's going to be way too easy of a process because I've seen people really like, I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to become a business coach or a life coach or a sales consultant. And three months later, they're frustrated because they're not making six figures or they haven't like turned this whirlwind community upside down and they have so much business they don't know what to do. Because if you really learn from the business owners who make something tangible, like a warrior wear, or like any business that, that literally has to go through iterative design, 
possible manufacturing costs, even an author having to print, let's say an author wants to print hard copy uh, color books, the grind and the money and the time is so much longer than what unmaker entrepreneurs seem like, not everybody, seem like they're willing to put in. So I think that's, and what I'm saying to that is go do your thing if you're, even if you're not making something tangible, but don't give up so quickly because it's really going to work if you keep going at it. But if you really look at the timelines for other businesses who are creating an actual physical product, it's years. And I think you have to have that same, like what you just said, it's a 10 year overnight success. So I think that that's probably my number number one thing. What, have you been seeing that happen? First of all, Mike, I'm a little disappointed because I brought you on here to help me not take 10 years to become an overnight success. You're supposed to give me the tricks to you know, get my six figures in three months. And you're telling me that's not going to happen. Six months. Six months. Okay. That's, <laughs> but yeah, I've seen the same thing. I've, I've unfortunately seen it with myself. Part of, part of this podcast is helping me to get around the people that I, that I need to hear from and to learn the things that I need to learn and, and to remind myself of the truths that I already know. It's very easy to get caught up in your own dreams and to see uh, this thing's going to happen. It's going to happen tomorrow. And then when that doesn't come to fruition as fast as you'd hoped, when the novelty wears off, then the grind hits. And that's when you really have to, to move. I talk about the same things in relationships. We do some, some relationship conferences with my wife and the infatuation phase ends around seven years on average, which is why we have a seven year itch. And so mm. you have to change from that child, you know, teenager infatuation period to a real relationship where we have to decide that we're going to make this thing work. And it's not as, it's not just as carefree and fun anymore. It's real life. And I see the same thing with a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, I'm going to do this thing. Great. Talk to me in a year. And if in a year you're still doing the thing, then yeah, you, you've got a much better chance of success. But if you're expecting magic overnight, you're probably not prepared for the road ahead of you. And it's not that everything's hard or that entrepreneurs aren't allowed to sleep. In fact, I sleep eight hours a night. In fact, I've been, if my wife walked in right now and listened to this, she would, she would say add another hour and a half because I, I, <laughs> back. I I've been, I got back from a, a week long of intense hiking and I think I've been sleeping nine to 10 hours a night, but it's, it's, uh, it's the fact that you just, you got to just keep going and it's not going to happen. Of course, getting a new client might happen really fast. Uh, but, and some people, it will happen literally perhaps overnight, not overnight, but maybe in a few months or something depending on their connections and their network and how much it, there's so many factors at play. But I think even if that happens, I think you just have to realize it's, it's just about wake up each day whatever time you wake up and if you do a significant amount of hard valuable work that is very honed in on what you're trying to create if you do that day after day after day after day eventually it's going to build into something and you can have a day off in there if you really if you need it that's okay too but just don't have more days off than days on Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's see. 
uh, if we can get some into some really practical things. So what are the what are low hanging fruit? If you were talking to somebody who's, a, who's brand new, wanting to start something, like I have no idea about marketing, what do I need to do to just get a baseline of of success moving? That is such a good question because I think I realized maybe I take some of these things for granted because I am in marketing. When I launched hashtag 59, I was just doing these things and I had a few people say to me, oh, that's really, you know, I can't believe you just did that already or how'd you already, and I think I just knew some of these little nuances because I'm in marketing and I take them for granted, but you actually asked me this question ahead of time. I'm glad you did because I got to think about it and I had, I have about a half a dozen things and, uh, you know, let's put these in the show notes, but build, build a clean website. I use Squarespace for my websites. I think Squarespace is great. If you're a little bit more tech savvy, I think WordPress is also awesome. A clean, user-friendly website that focuses on if you have something that people may potentially buy or even sign up for a newsletter, which is a very important thing that I'll get to in a sec, make sure that the end to end, the A to Z process is smooth and engaging and easy and loving and that people like every single piece of it. I think that is really underrated. I think having a news email newsletter sign up in every point possible, especially above the fold on your website is something that is missed. I think people start thinking about all the different social media channels that they need to be on, which you do. And we'll get to that in a sec, but email newsletter for every social media channel somebody changes or go, grows in and out of on a phase, kind of like you talked about that seven-year relationship itch, that, happen, that happens in social media in seven months. But we rarely change email addresses. Now, of course we do, but much, if you look at it compared to social media channels, it's so much smaller. Right. So I think email, new, email marketing is still king. And speaking of that, making sure that your email marketing is amazing. So those three, build a clean website, email newsletter signups, have amazing email marketing. Right now, Facebook and Instagram ads are as the most cheap, efficient form of targeted advertising this world has ever seen. And I don't know how much longer that's going to go on for. Meaning you think they're going to increase their prices or they're just not going to be as effective anymore? Yeah, uh, I don't think they'll, I think they'll still be effective. Gary Vee, you know, he, he theorizes that in the, next, in the next one to three years, all the big boys are going to just enter it and saturate the market a little bit. It's, not gonna, it's still going to be great for targeting, but it's just going to be more expensive. Like a solopreneur like you or I, we, we wouldn't have dreamed of having a targeted, efficient advertising budget if we launched a business 30 years ago. I've heard now a lot of people say marketers from 20 years ago would have cut off their arms to have what Facebook gives us as far as targeting and, and segmenting. It's amazing. 100%. So I think, I think not only creating great organic content on there, but then using them to build more through ads, having one, at least one hero piece of content marketing that can be a podcast, that can be a blog, that can be a vlog, that can be an in-person meeting, whatever that is, having a hero piece of content, join a Toastmasters club, 
That's another one. Toastmasters uh, is not paying us for any of this, by the way. <laughs> you know, we're no. just big fans of the organization. We pay them, in fact. Yes, we do. A fair amount. But yes, uh, I think another two more. Volunteer. A, because I think volunteering, everybody should volunteer. And I think it's a, it's a great way to give back to the world. But you also meet groups of people outside of your nice, cozy little network when you volunteer places. And the final one is instead of going to cheese ball networking events, go volunteer somewhere additionally because hitting that again, you're going to meet groups of people outside of your network. I've gotten way more business from networking naturally through things like volunteering than I ever have going to like a after five business card exchange Palooza. That's a nice term for him. I, I agree. You find out that the second generation network, like not your friends, but the friends of your friends that you'll start meeting in those other areas kind of spread your network out. So it's not so concentrated. Like a, a while ago, Facebook did a thing where you could map out your network relationships. And what I found was I had like two major hubs where I'd met all of my friends. It was either high school. So they were like from my hometown or it was in college just years ago here in Columbus. And then I had a few outliers in those other places that weren't part of those networks that I knew from you know, other various things. But everybody in those two networks knew each other. And so they're, they're all talking about the same things or, or think, you know, in that same area of thought, and if you're thinking from a work perspective, or if you find those ones that are outliers that aren't part of that normal crowd, their connections are going to be vastly different than what you're going to find at the normal, what you call it, business exchange palooza. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right on and of course leave it to facebook the data freaks to find that information out but it's really really true i actually was there was a i think it was a i think it was a city here in columbus it was like a city uh levy or something that that happened a couple years ago on an election and i i realized for like the month leading up to it I was all I was doing was hanging out with my my fellow yogis and I was in a uh, at the time I was also in a running club or a hiking club and so it was like an outdoor levy so you know everybody who's in like a yoga studio and a hiker was all for this levy and it got smashed and I just remember thinking oh my gosh I was so hanging out with like my two cute little groups of pockets of friends that all had like the same mindset that I did not even understand that like this, the rest of the city of Columbus had no interest in this. Right. That echo chamber effect where you, you're surrounded yourself with people who think like you do or, you know, are in the same circles that you are. And I thought shame, shame on me, you know? Uh, but I think that's, and that's, you know, a small, not big deal example. But I think if you're looking to grow your business or if you're looking to meet new people, I think, and, and I, I picked volunteering because I think it's a very easy, it can be an intimidating thing to get out of your networks. And volunteering kind of gives you, A, you might already have a connection with something else because you're going to volunteer somewhere. Or at the very least, you have a connection that you like to volunteer. These organizations will put you together with people. So, 
it's a little less intimidating, I think. Right. And do you at least have the organization to talk about to get started? How did, you know, why do you care about this place and how, yeah. you know, what have you done here before that sort of thing? Or, or a, another, and this is just coming to mind real fast, not to jump way off on that, but if a, pick a hobby of yours and turn it into something that you like, but like crank it up a couple notches. If you like to play the guitar, go take guitar lessons or go start seeing live music around the city. If you're a runner, instead of running by yourself every morning, Dawn, go join a running club and start running in races and volunteering at uh, events or uh, become a track coach at a local grade school. Like whatever, just, just scale into one of those and you'll also meet a lot of different people. It's good. Not only for entrepreneurial perspective, but you get to just make more friends and know more people, which we all need better relationships in this world of heads down social media. Absolutely. So let's talk about the future of marketing. You talked, you touched on a little bit about Gary VC's coming as, as far as Facebook getting kind of overloaded, but, but what other things are you seeing a trends of, as, as they are, were for marketing? A couple of things. One, you know, Mark, Mark Schaefer, who writes a great, great blog talked about this a little bit, but I'm going to really double down on what Mark's saying is content overload. We kind of touched on that earlier in the conversation. There's so much out there. I don't need when I, this is a really, this is when it really hit home for me on what I needed my content to be on marketing fun with Mike. When I started creating content for my outdoor adventure site, because I start, I realized Okay, so I'm going to write a blog on Yellowstone National Park. Do you know how many blog travel bloggers there are out there writing seven great things to do in Yellowstone National Park? I mean, there's pages on Google. Do we really need another person sharing that information? I mean, honestly, probably the National Park's website does it better than anybody else. Well, sure, because they, 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 probably, they probably outsource that and get great writers to write it for them. Yeah. And, and so I thought, okay, I can't go to the content overload route. What am I going to do instead? What if we had a story with a photographer who he and his brother go on a road trip out west and it's his brother's first time at Yellowstone and we did five unexpected things a first time visitor can expect to be blown away by Yellowstone National Park. That's actually still interesting, still a positive, cool piece, but it's not overloaded in the market. And that was, that was really kind of my aha moment with content overload. And that's actually why with, if you go to my Marketing Fun with Mike website, it actually talks about how I specialize in the adventure travel, health and wellness, and outdoor adventure industry, which is something new. And that is because I realized I had to start writing more narrow focus niche content for somebody. And that's probably who I think I can help the most in marketing are those industries. So I think, I think there's, there's going to be this content brain dump explode on the internet. I'm not sure. Hopefully it's, uh, I don't really quite know what that's going to feel like, but there's not going to just be nine bloggers every hour coming out talking about how to make money online. So I, I think that's number one. Two, I think online programs are really going to have to, re, 
really evolve. And I think we're going to see, I'd kind of maybe compare it akin to what I think is going to happen with the craft brewery industry. There was this huge explosion for multiple years on online programs and the craft breweries. I think over the next three to five years, we're going to see a, a lot of the okay ones or the ones that aren't all in kind of go away maybe by choice, maybe by force. And then the really great ones are going to stick around and there's, there's going to kind of, it's going to balance itself out a little bit. You think the signal to noise ratio is going to get a little bit better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. What does that mean then for the entrepreneur who's, who's not one of the megaliths? Do you suggest then that they find a way to niche down and, and be something different than as opposed to the giant generic blog factory? Yeah, I think you I think you have to, especially if you're starting, you have to niche down some way. And you have to be a little bit different because, you know, the money is not in ad revenue or winning the SEO. What did you call it earlier? The snake oil. Yeah. <laughs> the SEO snake oil. That I mean, yes, there's actually people that do make money in that. And I'm not downplaying that, but I'm your odds to success are just so much more cumbersome and just such a less chance of success compared to that. So I think, I think you need to somehow niche down and then also do it differently. You know, that's the big thing. Try to predict what's next. We talked about making mistakes earlier, make some mistakes, fail around a little bit in a, minimalist way as possible and learn from that and then scale up, scale up when appropriate. And I think the final thing is, you know, we talked about Facebook and Instagram, it's going to level out. You know, if you look at the history of advertising mediums, they all, they all go into this mature phase. Facebook and Instagram is probably next. It doesn't mean that they're not, you know, I have clients that use radio or still even use print. And they have good results. It's just not as efficient as Facebook and Instagram. Finding out what the next Facebook and Instagram is going to be and being able to get on it and create that community and create killer content and networking. And when you know what that is, if you wouldn't mind dropping me an email and letting me know as well, I would greatly appreciate that. I'd love to. I'm actually a pretty old man when it comes to this stuff now. I'm, I don't I don't try the new stuff out nearly as much as I should. Uh, I got burned on Google Plus really hard, and now I'm I'm heartbroken. <laughs> you know, I don't, and I don't know what it is yet. I have some thoughts. I think it could be something that's going to be way more AI focused. I think, you know, for instance, I have a I have two I have a yoga studio and a yoga paraline. I think for like a yoga studio, for instance, Snapchat could be a huge play. But that's just specifically for them. I don't know if that's for all industries, but it's probably true for somebody else's industry because they're just getting into ads and haven't really quite figured out the model yet. You know, LinkedIn is still a really powerful platform for not really having good advertising options. They don't have bad ones, but they don't have great ones. If they really honed in and figured out adver- you know, ways to efficiently help people advertise and market themselves beyond the organic things, it could be an old. It could be an oldie like LinkedIn. Yeah, especially for the young professional who's trying to make a name for themselves by creating content and and going above and beyond, um, getting that piece of content out that that shines the light back on your employer 
is always helpful. They'll always, you know, <laughs> they can always appreciate that. Now, yeah. you don't do Twitter, and I heard there's a good story behind that. Well, okay. So here's, here's how it's – I actually had, and this is this is anybody who's building – people build communities on Twitter every single day. And maybe it's my yogi energy. I felt Twitter to be just too – I feel like Instagram's kind of like, like teddy bear cuddly maybe. And I feel like Twitter, man, it, people just get after each other on it. And I read this really nice post when LeBron, this is just like six months ago, when LeBron James was going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. I, I read this really well-written, as a writer, I really appreciated this post from this beat reporter for the Utah Jazz who wrote about how LeBron should join the Utah Jazz in free agency. And I'm a basketball coach, and he, he made some very valid points for that team. He went wound up going to the Lakers. But Which I'm totally happy with as an old-school Lakers fan. I haven't been able to watch the NBA in a while because it made me cry, but I'm happy now. There, so there you go. So you're okay. The Jazz and the Cavs fans are crying. But So I read this article, and then I, and I wrote him like, hey, you know, really nice – unique once again he he did he wrote a piece of content exactly what we're talking about though nobody else was writing why he should join the jazz everybody's like why you should go back to the heat or why you should join the lakers or join the celtics and then i read these comments that people just were ripping him and ripping lebron and i was like why am i hanging out on here is what i literally thought and i decided you can shut down your twitter account for like 60 days before it's like gone like your followers and all that jazz and who you follow and i thought i'm gonna shut it down and if any of my clients or if anybody like comes out to me is like man i really miss your tweets or like you know yada 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 i'll turn it back on and there was crickets that's fair i used it just for posting i don't know that i've ever really read it Uh, i think i signed up for things because people would um, like different businesses would allow you to contact them through there for customer service things. And I thought it might be faster than, than other methods, but I don't miss the content of Twitter. I find that the people I talk to who are on it are like the people who enjoy those kind of fights. And that's just not me either. I have too, yes. many, too many things to do in my life that I'm trying to keep positive and push through. That's um, what I thought. So to that, you know, if, if this reaches the masses to the reason I'm not on Twitter anymore is because of that Utah Jazz reporter who wrote an excellent article, and then the trolls who got after him and LeBron as a result of him writing that excellent article. And that's a shame, but I tell you, I feel like Facebook's getting there sometimes. I don't know if it's just my feed and the way it's been, you know, algorithm to death, but I don't get as much of the positive stuff as I get because I, I live in a world between two political parties on, you know, from different circles, and they just are all over each other. And I don't, I actually have a filter. There's an application you can get to filter Facebook so it doesn't show you certain things. And I've taken all the oh. stuff out. Nice. Uh, it's called Good. Social Fixer if anyone's interested in it. You can put in your own keywords if there's topics you don't want to hear about. You, there's spoilers so you can hide the spoilers from your favorite show in case you didn't get to see it in time. It's wonderful. All right. I think we've come to a close, Mike, but is there anything else? I want to give you a chance to have the last word before I spring my last question on you. For the last, I don't even know what this last question is. Uh, I would just say to everybody out there, just stay hungry and stay foolish. You know, have fun with what you're doing. Life's short. Don't overthink it. Do what you were meant to do. And this other quote's up on my wall, and I read it every single morning. 
It is, uh, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world really needs is people who are alive. And that is wonderful for a group of people who are looking to make themselves better. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you, what are you doing today to be better tomorrow? I'm on this podcast, actually, at 10 o'clock on a Monday night, talking to a friend and bouncing ideas back and forth on maybe things that I'm missing in my life and business and how I can get better at them instead of binge watching Hulu or HBO now. I appreciate that you consider me better than those things. <laughs> they consider us worth it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. We're going to have all of his contact information over in the show notes at BeBetterTomorrow.com. So you can check everything out there. Uh, along with anything we talked about, I'm going to try to get it listed there so you don't have to write it down while you're in your car. Don't want anyone to wreck. And hopefully I'll have my email funnel set up following Mike's directions so you can get signed up for a newsletter and I can give you great content from all of our guests as we move forward. Thank you for listening. And I hope you will be better tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. Thank you especially to our guest, Mike Rudd. I just ask that you head over to BeBetterTomorrow.com slash one so you can see the show notes there, find out where you can connect with Mike, get some questions answered for your marketing needs. So I'd ask also to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate, rate us with five stars, ten stars, however many stars you can give us so that we can hit to the top and help more people be better tomorrow. The music that you're hearing is District 4 by Kevin McLeod of Income Tech. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. I'm Jason Fisher, and I hope you will be better tomorrow. <laughs>